one and we are recording with the great claire lopez maybe our only saturday episode ever saturday august 13th 2022 episode 881 a lot to talk about uh i think the other day we were talking about an episode concerning an old episode i did with dr malone and dr mccullough but I feel like the raid on Mar-a-Lago the other day might be stealing the spotlight. Um, but Miss Lopez, for all the new listeners, please uh, introduce yourself, and then we'll dive off. Yeah, well, good, we good go to on. be with you again, Tommy, and uh, thanks for all the flexibility on, uh, you know, different day scheduling. Sometimes uh, it works. It works out. Um, so I am uh, independent, national security. Focus, uh, Lopez Liberty, LLC. Uh, I work with a bunch of different groups, Citizens Commission on National Security. Uh, that's the successor group to Citizens Commission on Benghazi, which is how we started out. Um, my new um, uh, associations, or, or at least um, uh, renewed, maybe I should say, uh, working with Tom Trento at the United West uh, for a long time, but now working with him on a new project together with Tom Homan, former acting director of ICE on border issues. And the website is Defend the Border. And if you go to the tab at the top that says news, you'll see my regular little contributions there. Short kind of blurbs um, that I've been writing for them on all kinds of issues related to the border. Um, and then the other one, uh, more recently, I guess, picked up again, is with John Guandolo and John Bennett at Understanding the Threat and uh, working on what we call into action programs for local communities around the United States to uh, recognize and identify and counter uh, threats at their local level in terms of um, the Islamic movement, certainly Muslim Brotherhood and all of its front groups, and then secondly, um, and I don't know if it's necessarily in this order, but um, communism, Marxism, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, we find that, that working with, with folks at the local level um, really is the most important uh, way to do this. Um, we're not looking to Capitol Hill. Um, we're not looking to inside the beltway. That's not where it's gonna come from. Not to say that there aren't some very good you know, representatives, senators um, up, up on Capitol Hill. Um, there are, but this is going to be countered and solved if at all, uh, just like elections at the local level. That's where I think we've decided it, it, it's gonna matter the most. So that's what I've been up to lately. Oh, and I don't know if you saw, but I think Joe Kent won his jungle primary. He did. Which is crazy. I, yeah i, I, I don't even it. understand that system but no but he idea. did he did come out on top and that's a great thing so on to the uh the general elections in november i think so yeah so that's awesome yeah um and now to i feel like we can't not talk about it and my only res reticence to talk about it is because i don't know anything about any of the laws or jurisdictions or what is and what is not capable so at the risk of simply parroting what i've been seeing on the news is the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, and today's the 13th, I believe it happened on the 8th, is this groundbreaking? Is this 
being pumped up as some dramatic thing. I mean, it is an ex-president, and to my knowledge, this has never happened. What was the reasoning behind it? Is it really just National Archives stuff? I think I saw today former uh, head of the NSA, General Michael Hayden, said that if there are guys involved that were leaking nuclear secrets, they should be executed. So I don't know what happened, or I've kind of had it turned off in the last couple of days. What Could you walk me through kind of everything that's happened, or at least everything of significance? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, this has dominated the news this entire past week. Um, since the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago this past Monday, uh, on the 8th of August, um, ostensibly, um, the raid was about documents that uh, maybe might ought to should have be uh, kept at the National Archives, uh, but that potentially possibly maybe were being held uh, at Mar-a-Lago, the personal home residence of the former president, Donald Trump uh, and uh, Melania. So the argument um, that we see now in the, the, um, the warrant, uh, which is all that's been made public so far about this raid, um, uh, is that the FBI was looking for very broad categories, classified documents uh, or something. Um, now, to, to, to put this in perspective, um, first of all, yes, this is completely unprecedented. Uh, this is crossing the Rubicon. Uh, this is a step, uh, another step towards utter tyranny of, of one ruling party in America, the Democrat Party. Um, this is the weaponization of our legal system, um, of our system of justice, um, which absolutely is completely unbalanced for one thing, uh, when, uh, you know, former Senator and, and First Lady Hillary Clinton um, set up a private server in her personal home residence and uh, had on it many thousands of documents that were classified and completely open to access by rogues are us of the world, any, any of them with, with cyber capabilities. And that would include, of course, uh, you know, Russia, China, Iran, uh, others. Uh, absolutely nothing was done, nothing. She, she, she dispensed with, um, uh, deleted, destroyed something over 33,000 documents that had been subpoenaed. Um, oops, well, no problem, nothing happened. So this is a completely skewed system of justice when a Peter Navarro gets hauled off in leg irons, um, when, you know, a, a uh, Paul Manafort goes to uh, solitary confinement for months, um, you know, and now a raid on the personal home of a, of a former president of the United States, absolutely without precedent in history of this country. Um, I've lived in a whole bunch of places overseas. And this is how, this is how tyranny takes hold. This is how uh, freedoms, uh, how individual liberty, how rule of law is lost. Um, we are not a democracy. I'm going to lose my mind if I, if I hear them keep saying that over and over again, our democracy, our democracy. No, we're not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic, or at least we have been. 
And the, the importance of that is that democracy as a government system basically means 50% plus one. In other words, mob rule. And that is what our founding fathers were absolutely determined that we, the, the new at the time, 19, uh, 19, uh, 1776, new um, United States of America would not be uh, a democracy, uh, you know, mob rule. Instead, as Ben Franklin said, they gave us a republic. republic if you can keep it. And I don't know if I've ever, maybe I think I've talked about this on, on the show with you before, but others for sure. Uh, the word republic comes from two Latin words, res publica. Res in Latin means the thing, publica, public, the public thing. Well, what is the public thing? It's the law. It's the constitution and the laws derived from it, article six of the constitution. And, and that makes us very different than simply a democracy, which would be 50% plus one. Our conduct of, of government and, and the elected representatives in that government supposed to be governed, consent of the governed, by and, and in accordance with the res publica, the constitution. So at this point, we're, we're just not. Um, and if we keep going down this pathway, we may not ever get it back. So uh, the lawlessness of, of our um, you know, law enforcement agencies, um, that, that has to be checked, it has to be stopped, it has to be turned around, um, and it, it has to happen soon, or we're looking at you know, Cuba, Venezuela, Russia, Iran, uh, and so forth. Um, as to the specifics of, of the raid, uh, I mentioned uh, the warrant has now been made public, but the underlying affidavit, uh, which would have spelled out um, the, the cause for action, the, uh, the premise um, uh, you know, for, for launching such an un, unlawful, unprecedented raid on, on the home of a former president, that's not been made public yet, the affidavit. Although it's been you know, demanded, requested by any and all of the above, um, it may eventually be made public. Um, but the, but the, uh, I guess the, the issue at hand is, is about documents that I said before, uh, mighta, oughta, coulda, shoulda, woulda belong uh, in the National Archives. Now, um, the first thing to know is that the president of the United States, while in office, has virtually unlimited power to classify and to declassify any document that president ever chooses. And while there is a process sometimes, uh, write this down, sign this paper, that's, that's process, it's not law. It may be, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a tradition or, or, or regular procedure, something like that, it's not the law. Um, but to my understanding, and President Trump has issued at least a couple of statements so far now since this past Monday's raid. Uh, and basically he said, and others in the White House at the time of his presidency confirmed and backed this up, um, that it was his habit uh, many, many times to take documents that were classified at any level at all, anything from 
you know, unclassified to confidential, secret, top secret, uh, TSSCI, whatever, he would take them to the residence, remove them uh, from secure storage, like a skiff, like the Oval Office, and take them up to the residence at night, where he would continue working for many hours. This was his tradition. He did not have warm milk and a blankie at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and, and the tradition for his presidency was, and he stated this and those around him have co corroborated it, that any documents he ever removed from the Oval Office were thereby, by that action of removal itself, deemed by him to be unclassified, to be declassified, I should say, to be declassified. Um, so uh, the other thing is that, uh, I mean, obviously the president himself personally did not pack up uh, everything in boxes from uh, the White House, the Oval Office or, or any other place, staff did that. Um, and uh, so he personally um, very likely did not pack 15 or 20 or whatever number of boxes they're talking about of paper documents and have them shipped on down to Mar-a-Lago. Um, one or two other points. Um, one is that at Mar-a-Lago, uh, as I understand it, the boxes of documents that the FBI did cart away uh, were under uh, a se secure um, locked conditions. They, they were in a locked storage room. Now, uh, the president and the National Archives uh, and the FBI uh, have been, had been in um, discussions for, for quite some time, many months, uh, about which documents, how many, to the National Archives. And um, the, the process was proceeding, as I understand it, smoothly uh, and in an orderly way. And as recently as June of this year, 2022, that would be just a couple months ago, uh, the FBI was welcomed into Mar-a-Lago when the president was there at that time. And uh, they were given access to whatever boxes of documents were in that locked storage room uh, down, as I understand, the basement of Mar-a-Lago. And um, they spent some time going through those. Uh, the president himself spoke with those agents, um, said, please let me know if you need anything else. Uh, you're welcome here. I will help you with anything else you uh, need to see. Just let me know. They asked uh, that a more, I guess, secure padlock uh, be put on that storage room when they left. And I guess they did take some boxes of documents with them at that time. A more secure padlock was put on that storage room uh, after their departure. Um, so between that time in June and now early August, uh, there was no more communication. There was no more uh, disagreement or, or anything else about the documents at, at Mar-a-Lago. And then all of a sudden, you know, at O-Dark 30 on a, on a Monday morning, um, you know, hordes of, of armed federal agents, helicopter in the sky, and I guess frogmen in the water, and I mean, who knows what else, um, you know, descend upon Mar-a-Lago and uh, start rummaging through the entire place, including disgracefully uh, the personal uh, wardrobe closet clothing of, of the first lady, Melania Trump. I mean, that's disgusting. 
anyway, let me stop there. But that's that's uh, my my impression of things as as they stand right now. It almost seems like there's like a weird uh, what word am I looking for? Anomaly, not anomaly. What happens when because ex presidents still have Secret Service? Oh yeah, yeah. What happens when the Secret Service deem would deem the invading FBI as a threat? Who would be in the right? Well, they they did not in this case. I mean, obviously the yeah, FBI obviously. had been to the residence before. Uh, this time uh, they showed up with a warrant, <laughs> and the Secret Service uh, did allow them onto the premises. They allowed them in. Now, the president and his family were not there. They typically spend the summers away from Florida. I would too. Um, and they were up at his uh, golf resort, as I understand it, in New Jersey. Um, so they were not present. Uh, but the Secret Service let them in. Yes. But, oh, here's another point. Um, apparently, uh, the Raiders, the FBI, you know, gunmen, um, uh, demanded that the surveillance cameras throughout the residence be turned off. And that uh, the Secret Service declined to do. They, well, they did not turn off the cameras. Well, that sounds like you're planting evidence. Well, I mean, you, uh, you know, you if they were to, to do something like that, um, the cameras, as I understand it, remained on the whole time. And they were there for something like nine or between nine and ten hours. What? Yeah, I mean, as with everything with Trump, like, we'll never know the full story until like six months from now. But the whole thing just seems, it just seems odd. The official story that it was for the National Archives. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an excuse. It was a spectacle. It was intended to be a spectacle, just like dragging Peter Navarro off in leg chains from, yeah. from National Airport was a spectacle. It, it's all for show. There's nothing behind it. It's all for show. No, I guess but I'll tell you what. Sure. Uh, that show, you know, on top of all the other previous ones, this one at, at Mar-a-Lago has absolutely... Um, just just appalled the American public. Uh, and I don't mean just Republicans or MAGA people. I mean Republicans, independents, Democrats, um, just absolutely horrified that this could be happening in our country, not in some banana republic someplace where a number of us have been in the past and we've seen how this works, you know, where, where the... The power uh, in uh, the 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 party in power, uh, you know, weaponizes law enforcement to do whatever they want and trammels completely, you know, over over the the law if there is any. That that's something we associate with, you know, banana republics in other places, not in America. So the American people are just absolutely horrified at what they saw. And I think this is backfiring uh, big time, uh, in, in particular, just these few months before the midterm November 22 congressional elections. Yeah, you have to, because I feel like there is at least a a moderate, no pun intended, but like moderate understanding of what you see happen to your quote unquote political enemies is something that can happen to your quote unquote mm-hmm. political allies with the actions that the that the government can do to the public. If you see it happen here, that means it can also happen to you. If if Trump does this to Hillary or to if Trump raids Obama while he's up in the president's office, 
don't be surprised when Biden raids you. So that's, I feel like I would like to think, I mean, you never really know what is the consensus. You go to any Reddit or Facebook or Instagram, you never know what's what and what's being brigaded by bots and what's manufactured consent. But I feel like there's got to be a general knowledge of like, this isn't, this isn't the road you, you want to march down this. Yeah. That's not because yeah. I mean, how else do you, so if, if the intelligence agencies or the, the justice system gets weaponized to go against political opponents, how do you peacefully unwind that machine? Right. You, cause you wouldn't just want to fight back against it because that leads to civil war, which weakens the United States. So it seems it don't, it does seem like the civil war where it's like, they will fight, but it's to maintain the union. So there's this weird, it's this weird, almost like you can't just fight back because then that, that leads to the destruction of the very system you're trying to save. So there has well, to be not, a, not fight back in a kinetic or a violent way. Absolutely <laughs> not. That no, no, sure. Thing on earth. Well, yeah, and because I wouldn't it, put it out of the realm of possibility that at least one of the underlying thoughts with this um, armed raid um, was precisely to response. stir up hotheads across 100%. the country to taking 100%. precipitous action uh, that they shouldn't in a violent way. And well, then, oh, look, 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 there's those domestic terrorists we've been looking for for the last you know 10 or 15 years and we couldn't find any, but now they're there, there they are. Yeah, yeah. Put your hand, put your hand in there and rattle it up and knock out. The, there are the bees, but I mean, I think just a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, the FBI disclosed how they had Google set up a geofence around the Capitol on January sixth, so that they they could just track all phones, just period, past a certain point. You can do geofencing for, you mm-hmm. could set up a geofence in Times Square, so if I go there, I get advertisements for whatever. That, but they set up, I guess, like a, a legal one that Google Google couldn't disclose. I actually think I saw this on your Twitter and and that that's kind of like the warning people are saying now because a bunch of people fled down to Mar-a-Lago and it's like you're being vacuumed up uh, if you're getting you're getting tagged it's like radioactive fluorescent tagging when you're tagging like a protein in the body that's exactly what they're doing at at the very least they want to tag a bunch of phones that go there and now they have you and they map out your networks at best they want someone to start firing off shots. They absolutely want that. They're provoking a response. To say that they're not doing that is naive. I just, I hope no one takes well, the Well, and then look what did just happen in Cincinnati at the uh, local office of the FBI there, right? What, what? There was someone who attacked with a gun, uh, shots fired at the local FBI office in- I've been unplugged uh, for two days. Yeah, no, in Ohio. Um, Jesus. In- uh, I think I said Cincinnati, right? Yeah. If I remember that right, but in Ohio, and uh, taken into custody, yes, uh, rather quickly. But but there you uh, see, you know, radical extremist. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. And um, this is. I I really do think this is what they want to happen, so they can justify uh, even more thuggish behavior on the part of our our senior law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win. Either no one revolts and then you can just keep doing whatever you want because there's no opposition. Or someone does push back and now you have a boogeyman. Now you have a, a Reichstag fire. Now you have something to go, 
here it is. Now you have the, you know, the, the, the Boston massacre and you have something to crack down on. Well, but there are ways uh, to do this and there are ways not to do this. Sure. And the right ways to do this involve elections. Oh, 100%. We will have in November um, and organizing, political organizing, um, community organizing at the local level in particular, uh, the levels of school boards and library boards and city councils and on up to state legislatures, that kind of organizing yeah. uh, in a legal, lawful way. Yeah. That's that's what has to happen. And, and it is happening. I mean, we, we see what happened in many of the primaries. I think most of the primaries across the country are now finished. I believe most of them have, have taken place. And it's it's been uh, an amazing tidal wave, uh, you know, for in particular uh, Republican candidates endorsed by President Trump. Yeah. Uh, who, who mostly across the board, maybe a couple exceptions, but mostly across the board, across the country in primaries, um, defeated their Democrat, or I'm sorry, their uh, fellow uh, Republican, but not Trump endorsed uh, primary opponents. And, and on they will now go, as we were talking about Joe Kent in Washington state, um, on they go to the, uh, the general election in November. Yeah, it is kind of like a weird, even just objective. And to go back real quick and touch on what I was saying and what you were uh, expanding on, obviously, no, going kinetic is the single worst one. I just don't believe I don't I feel like that's what separates us from from the animals. But two, no, you, you can't go kinetic. One, that's what they want Two, if you go kinetic, you're, you're asking for a kinetic response, you know, fuck around and find out. But no, go into it with the elections, go into it by process. Joe Kent mm-hmm. just won. Anthony Sabatini is, I think he's going to win. Uh, I've interviewed Mike Collins a couple of times. He won his seat down in Georgia. Things can still be done in a rational, lawful way. And mm-hmm. if I cannot clarify enough, as though I do on every single episode, nothing that I'm saying is endorsing violence. Back to what you just said, it is kind of weird and like an objective standpoint. You almost kind of like Trump's almost like this like weird kind of king that you like have to get your blessing from. Well, king maker for sure. Sure, in, in that's, the electoral sense. Yeah, but it's kind of funny. I think it was one of my uncles, or was my old man, or someone said it. We were up on Fourth of July, and they're like, "I think he enjoys being out of office more because he can do this like sort of, you know, he can send his people all over the country. You, you have his blood, you have his stamp, and then you get in." It, it's been amazing <laughs> to watch. It's, it is still like uh, a weird I, I've seen quasi numbers, second term. You know, of his success, um, endorsed candidates versus uh, the ones that he endorsed that did not win. And it's like... It, Above it, all else, it's just fascinating. It, uh, the, the, the few that, that he endorsed that did not win their primaries can be counted basically on one hand. Yeah. And uh, those whom he did endorse and, and who won their, their primaries are, you know, I, I think up close to 200 people. It, yeah. it, it is amazing. Yeah. I mean, you almost got to wonder if he enjoys being outside of, I don't think he could do this if he had already had a second term. I think he can only do this. In a way. He, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It, it yeah, kind of yeah. feels like it's this weird middle ground where he's uh-huh. still doing the, given the blessing you can do mm-hmm. whatever. I think he probably enjoys that. He gets to sit down in a mansion. Well, I, and, I think he enjoys Florida. making an impact that sure. matters, that counts. Sure. Uh, and that he's able to do that and to draw tens and tens of thousands to every rally he holds. 
Yeah. That's another amazing thing to see. Yeah. And I, I realized I was going to catch myself. So I was saying, I think he likes doing this and hanging out in his mansion in Florida. And I realized as I'm saying it, I'm like the mansion that just got raided by the FBI. So maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you got to wonder though. I would imagine in some weird part of Trump's mind, he's probably happy about this in that it is, it is better PR than he could have ever asked for about the, the, the the radical left, the, your country's on edge. Again, just trying to look at it objectively, obviously you and I are both Trump supporters, but just trying to remove myself from it just tactically. If I'm looking Mm -hmm. at Trump, this is the worst thing you could do if you don't like Trump. I don't think maybe uh, the the uh, maybe not happy. The regime it, expected this response, or at least at this magnitude. Not though. How do you not expect that? Well, they're they're not always the brightest bulb in the chandelier, you know. Yeah. Um, but they may not have expected this much of a backlash uh, across the spectrum of political opinion, not just MAGA people. Again, as I said before, but. Uh, you know, all, all kinds of people. I mean, and then Alan Dershowitz comes to mind, who is a hardcore Democrat and wants to remain a hardcore Democrat. Um, but he is a fair and a brilliant legal mind. And he's appeared, oh, I don't know how many times, multiple times uh, in the day since this past Monday uh, on cable news channels talking about the raid and, uh, you know, giving his, his opinion uh, that 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 this has this is something that crossed the Rubicon that there is no even-handed you know blind lady justice uh, operating in America anymore, uh, and then he says you know the reason that he he uh, so so vehemently opposes what what our you know uh, law enforcement agencies are doing, uh, acting as the thuggish enforcers of a of a you know some kind of third world regime is that he wants the choice uh, come November this year, come November in 2024, uh, he wants the choice to be able to vote Democrat. He doesn't want somebody telling him for whom he must vote and for whom he is not allowed to vote. It's kind of kind of interesting, but uh, a fair-minded uh, legal expert, um, just one example there. I mean, he, that's, I think, why he's so much respected. I think even Andrew Yang yeah, another one in Andrew Cuomo. I mean, yeah. people you wouldn't even expect, right? From yeah, New York. Yang Yang's not a. I think even his tweet began with, I, "I don't, I didn't like Trump in office, and I still don't want to see him anywhere near it," which is like this weird sort of. I don't know. It's like this weird sort of like almost like religious pretext you have to it's do almost, on the left. It, it, it's Pavlovian at this point. It's this thing that like if you're going to do a non-critical statement yeah. of Trump, you have to follow it. It's like biology. There's this weird yeah, code on at the beginning. Going on yeah, here. you but have to go. I case, hate orange man. He's a Nazi racist. Yeah, yeah, anti-Semite. Yeah. But, but that but, being said, <laughs> yeah, it is a it's biology. It's a weird code on it's it's a it's a it's a. It's a sequence of numbers. And then once you say that, you have now gone into the nucleus of the leftist head. And you can now deliver what thing you were going to say. Yeah, which you're is, absolved of, of whatever comes next. Which is weird. What you're saying. Which, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, to shift from that, do you think that all of this is related to the 87,000 IRS agents and the Inflation Reduction Act? Because I had on George Webb the other day, he brought up a good point. It seems like the the raid of Trump is to say... There's no one that we won't touch. 
And then the enlistment of 87,000 new agents is to say, and here is the like machinery by which we can do it. Do you think these two are related or are they you just- know, I mean, in, in this sense, I think I think they are. And, and of course the passage of this great big new humongous spending and tax bill uh, by the Democrats in Congress. I think the, 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 um, uh, the, the, the common factor in, in all of the above is the timeline. And, and the fact that Democrats know that November is now about three months away and uh, that they don't have a whole lot of time uh, to, to you know, push this country over the communist cliff uh, that they have to get going. And, and that's why all of these things seem to be maybe piling on one after the other in, in such quick succession. But I will say about that, that bill to, uh, to authorize or the part of the bill to authorize um, you know, all the new IRS agents. Um, number one, uh, that bill or, or that um, uh, appropriation, I guess, can be completely defunded by the next Congress basically as soon as it gets into office. Uh, that's one thing. But the second thing is that even were it to go forward, uh, to bring on that many new people, uh, train them from scratch uh, and, and uh, you know, specialize them and, and, and then, you know, assign them to wherever they're going to go. That's going to take years. That's not anything that's going to happen in the next, you know, six months. That's going to take many years, five, six, eight, ten. I don't know how many but a lot of years before you can actually bring on that many brand new people, completely new, train them, assign them, all that. Uh, so just, yeah, but the time, the timeline, I think is the common factor here. Yeah. 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 So it does, I don't know then. So do you think it's that they're in an all out sprint to yeah, do, uh, basically put in as yeah. much as they can? Versus- in a way um, it, it's an all out sprint just as we see in the international arena, if you want to stop there for a few minutes, um, where we see, uh, you know, a a Putin, you know, uh, going gangbusters as fast as he can uh, to to destroy and, and, uh, uh, you know, destroy and and swallow Ukraine uh, before the next um, change of the guard, if you will, here in the United States, and then eventually new president. Uh, or a Xi Jinping, um, whose uh, really aggressive uh, posturing and, and provocation, armed provocation in and around uh, the waters, the air um, surrounding Taiwan, have really picked up a notch in particular since uh, the visit there in Taipei uh, by Speaker Nancy Pelosi a um, couple, well, a week, week and a half ago. Um, all of these rogue uh, rogue regimes or just rogues here and abroad are very much looking at the timeline, looking at how much time they have left to get done what they want to get done before a changing of the guard in America. They know what's coming. They, they follow things as closely as we do or more closely. Um, so uh, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm back to the timeline, but I think every one of them Rogues abroad, rogues at home are pedal to the metal because they know that this November is coming and then in a couple of years more, another November in 2024. Do you think that 
kind of along those same lines of thinking, maybe parallel to them, is uh, you want to be a wartime president. Wartime president always has a better chance at bulldozing through the next election, or in this case, the the midterms. I I'm not sure. It was certainly, you know, President Joe Biden himself probably isn't aware of, no, of anything we've just spoken of. No, sure, he's he's brain dead. I mean, not not capable of 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 comprehending all of that. But the people around him, I don't know. I'm not sure that they really want to provoke uh, international war. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's good and I'm not saying they're competent. I'm just looking at them. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm not even sure whatever, you know, level of competence they, they may or may not have. I, I'm not sure that is, is an objective for them. Uh, I do think it's the objective of those rogue regimes we just mentioned, but I, I'm not sure that's, uh, that, that's anything that's, that's um, you know, directing, guiding the actions of whatever the members of the junta are uh, yeah. who surround uh, the White House right now. But I'll tell you what, I do think that that kind of calculation is going through the mind of Xi Jinping of China and his top uh, Chinese Communist Party um, officials. And uh, looking at uh, how badly Ukraine is going for the Russians, um, and thinking for himself, because Xi Jinping also has elections coming up in November, probably November of this year, when uh, the Central Committee, the Politburo Central Committee of the Chinese Communist Party will vote on whether he, Xi Jinping, gets to have a third five-year term. He's already served two, total of 10 years, wants a third. They're gonna vote on that come November. And Xi Jinping has to decide does he want to provoke everything now into a flaming mess? Or would he feel more confident if uh, he does, and it's likely he probably will, uh, be elected again for that third term? Or in the meantime, um, of course, they had to throw a temper tantrum for the world to see after uh, Speaker Pelosi visited Taiwan. Uh, that that was um, sort of uh, save face, whatever face they had left. They had to do that. But will they hold off now, perhaps, on uh, you know really kinetic action, uh, meeting an invasion per se with with armed forces until after the November elections? And in the meantime, what it does look like over there, uh, you know, surrounding Taiwan in the South China Sea, the East China Sea, certainly the Strait of Taiwan. Um, is uh, an attempt at uh, at least demonstrating the capability to set up a blockade around Taiwan. Folks may know that Taiwan depends 100% on imports for all of its fuel needs and a like high percentage for all of its food. Not every single bit, but, but a pretty high percentage for food. So. Uh, a blockade that, that, that would prove effective would choke off Taiwan. Uh, they, they, they have to have those imports. And so my, 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 my assessment of it is that as important as the open Western border of Ukraine is uh, to NATO countries, to, to Western Europe, as important as that border is for the resupply of 
weapons and ammunition and humanitarian aid and, and everything else that comes into the country. Like, like that, it is as important that at least Taiwan's eastern side uh, be kept open for, uh, for shipping, uh, for, for resupply as, as they need of fuel and fuel, food and fuel and other things. Uh, and I think this is where the United States and, and our allies in the region, meaning Japan, which is right there, uh, South Korea, uh, Australia, um, and, and other Western allies like Canada and, and, and the British who've also you know, kept a, uh, a naval presence in the area, that we keep that naval presence. Right now we've got the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier there, one. We have two amphibious uh, landing groups or what do they call them, amphibious? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, not landing, but, but you know what I mean? Uh, amphibious yeah. groups um, yeah. in the area. One is the USS America, the other one, the name I forget. Um, but we need that presence there and the presence, naval presence of, of allies like Japan as well to keep that open. So um, timelines again. I mean, November is, is just shaping up to be a really important month this, this year. I mean, may you live in interesting times, but I mean, again, from my own limited 32-year-old tactician mind on geopolitical affairs, which I have exactly no experience in. At the very least, you'd maybe want to provoke something for China to go against Taiwan so you could have another Ukraine. Just uh, I'm just thinking of me as a leader, and I want to promote up a a, a symbolic... Well, but do you want that to happen in case it turns out to be a debacle before your hoped-for re-election in November, if you're Xi Jinping and you're thinking about this? Likewise, do you want to hand over that much military authority to the PLA officers who would have to manage and run and, and, and lead that invasion, do you want to give that power to them before I'm, November? I'm looking at it as an American leader. I just want a Ukraine in over in Taiwan to say, look at me, we're giving resources, give a bunch of bullshit speeches. Well, this is, yeah, I mean, this policy. is the thing. We, we need to be making uh, that we have this time which we did not take advantage of prior to Putin's invasion of Ukraine pre-February of this year, February 24th, 2022. We do have this time, at least some window of time uh, for Taiwan, uh, and we need to be making them into a porcupine. I've heard that yeah. sort of yeah, see, term like that's, used that's so a... that they become too much to swallow. But again, would a blockade uh, be the answer to that, which we cannot allow to happen? Yeah, I mean, see, that's something I feel like is an objectively good thing. Like, I don't want to do the whole, you know, I don't like Trump, but it's like, I don't, I don't like, but, but I mean, I think that's probably a good thing to defend Taiwan preemptively before. I mean, anything that's valuable to China, we want to deny them that asset. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got the Taiwan Relations Act, which pledges the United States yeah. to provide uh, any and all defensive still. measures that they need to remain independent and free. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say give credit where credit's due. If, if we're if we're bulking them up and making them a porcupine, well, if we are, I mean, if we to are. what extent are we? I I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, um, or are we leaving them out to dry so China attacks them and then no, we... no, I know we're not doing that, but um, you know, is it sufficient? I guess is my my Do question that I don't know. That, though, wouldn't that be good though? If you're looking for office in November, I don't know. If I'm G, 
I think I want, I want to, I, I, you know, I want to be a strong leader. Look at me. I'm moving in Taiwan. No more bluster. Yeah. But what if he gets bogged down? What if it turns into a debacle for the PLA? What if, what maybe if he makes some, and he doesn't know the answers to those things right now. Maybe you make some BS facade moves. Like we're shifting forces. You don't actually go and do anything. Just well, we're... they are actually doing that. You know, right after Nancy Pelosi's trip over there. I don't know if I'm G. I'm just invading Taiwan. Put me back. Uh, in the... Invading what? Amphibious? I don't, um, I don't know if you ever looked at the coastline of Taiwan. I'm G. Like, I'm it, it doesn't my have. Beaches. I will not be conscripted. I will they, be. They, they don't have beaches like Normandy. I have a billion men. Very rocky, sheer cliff. Uh, I'm not not talking. You're talking logically. You're talking as someone that has a respect for human life. I'm talking about IMG, the head of the Chinese. No feasibility. Feasibility. Yeah, yeah, that's not my. That's not my concern either. I'm censoring the media. I got the Great Firewall of China. I got 1.3 billion people. What's 100 million dead on the shores? That's propaganda. I'm going to get the island, or I'm going to get all the propaganda. Either way, I'm getting back in the office. I'm not talking rationally. We got to suspend rationality. Yeah. In the mind of a. No, no. Uh, That 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 probably is not the way his his brain housing group works. No, he's he's probably a pretty intelligent individual. (laughs) He probably knows what he's. Be it or not, he he does have people around him who have influence over him. He's 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 not the sole. Um, all-powerful yeah. actor that maybe sometimes is portrayed. Like Putin. Um, he's got people. You don't like Putin too. They've got people around them. Um, well, yeah. It's but like, uh, it's like what you, you know. There, we we don't have too much time left. But I I I thought to bring up just one other thing. Sure. And and we'll maybe pick this up again next week because I'm sure it'll continue. And that is jihad, jihad in America again. What I don't know if uh, you and maybe uh, your your viewers, uh, your listeners, wasn't somebody, yeah, some paid attention to the staff. news about uh, two things. Number one, the Justice Department uh, just arrested uh, a Shiite Muslim uh, in the United States uh, just a couple days ago, earlier this week, um, who is accused of uh, attempting to plot uh, to to assassinate former National Security Advisor John Bolton, former uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former uh, uh, Defense Secretary, Secretary of Defense uh, Mark Esper, and I think one or two more. Um, Which means, again, and we have talked about this, uh, in the wake of the Afghan debacle, um, the, the, you know, the, the full-on rout of the American military fleeing the battlefield from, from Afghanistan, and then flying over here, untold numbers of how many thousands of Afghan evacuees who were then dispersed about the United States in communities all over, Uh, not to mention then, of course, the totally open southern border with Mexico, across which are pouring hundreds of thousands of totally unvetted who knows who, um, and among those certainly are, are Islamic terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've said it before, but the advanced team for the next 9-11, or teams, plural, uh, are already on U.S. soil. Uh, they're, I mean, know this. They're, they're, they're here, they're plotting, they're getting ready. Um, 
you know, we can hope that any plots would be um, interrupted as this one was against John Bolton and, and the others. Uh, but that is the Iranian regime, um, you know, still trying to assassinate our senior leadership officials on U.S. soil at the same time as the United States Biden administration is groveling again on hands and knees over in Vienna, begging the Iranians, pretty please, won't you allow us to come back into uh, your misbegotten um, nuclear accord? Uh, from uh, back in July of 2015, the JCPOA, the one and only sticking point uh, at this moment seems to come not from the U.S. who said, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, you want to plot to murder our, our senior officials on, on U.S. soil, <laughs> you know, okay. buy a con Dios, guys. Yeah. Um, knock yourselves out. No uh, it won't interrupt our negotiations. Uh, but the sticking point seems to be coming from the IAEA itself, International Atomic Energy Agency, which is still demanding uh, to have accountability from the Iranian regime for past, uh, as they say, um, military dimensions or possible military dimensions to their nuclear weapons uh, program. So that's, that's Iranians running amok on US soil trying to assassinate our leadership, our senior officials. The second thing just happened two days ago. Uh, and we can, we can hit on this some more next oh, week when we know more details. Uh, but that is the the attempted assassination of Salman Rushdie. Yeah. Salman Rushdie, as um, uh, viewers may know, uh, very well known, uh, widely published, read uh, author, uh, the author of a book called The Satanic Verses, which back in the 1980s, this is how long ago this goes, uh, was deemed by the Iranian regime. Uh, then with the Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini still alive before he died in 1989, uh, deeming it blasphemous and issuing a fatwa, which is a religious um, uh, judgment, I guess, or religious um, assessment or, or answer to a, a question of doctrine, uh, that the book indeed was blasphemous. And of course, as we all know, in Islam, under Islamic law, which is obligatory for every Muslim on the face of the earth, whether they obey it or not, uh, it is obligatory that blasphemy uh, gets the death penalty. And so any Muslim, anytime, anywhere, uh, has the authority under Islamic law to attempt the murder of Salman Rushdie forever. That fatwa does not go away. And so uh, when Salman Rushdie was on the stage at the beautiful Southern uh, uh, Summer Resort. I've been there, That's, I know how beautiful it is. In Chautauqua, New York, upstate New York, uh, this past uh, week, speaking up, up, up on the stage, um, uh, a young man jumped up on stage and stabbed him repeatedly. Um, that young man was apprehended rather quickly, but Salman Rushdie, uh, was badly injured. Uh, he was airlifted uh, to a hospital, I don't know which one, where he is, um, I guess, expected to, to survive, yeah. but very serious injuries. So again, uh, not only are rogues of the world, um, you know, pell-mell uh, driving uh, to, to, uh, to beat um, the timeline that we've talked about here, uh, but so are the jihadis, so are the Islamic terrorists. Uh, and this, again, both of these two instances, uh, attempted assassinations, um, 
the work of the Iranian regime, the Shiite uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. You know, even with like fiber optic internet and Elon Musk landing rockets upright and virtual reality, it is still kind of absurd how true it is that uh, that power abhors a vacuum. It just or, or nature reports vacuum, power fills a vacuum. Understood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is just weird on like an animal level when you when have when the United with, States withdraws power and influence from the world. It really chaos is. follows. I mean, inevitably. I mean, like gravity or like lighting something on fire. Uh, Newton's or, laws of physics, or, or something equals like that. Times of acceleration. Absolutely. It really yeah. is. You're like, you really. There's either a dominant force. Or there are others that are chomping at the ankles. That's right. You're absolutely I mean, right on that. I mean, it's bad because we're living through it, but just on a side moment, it is just fascinating. Like, that is a natural law. I mean, holy shit, whether it's cavemen or whether it's stealth nuclear bombers, you either exert the force or the force comes to be exerted on you. And that's wild. Mm-hmm. Not good, wild, but, and then to go back and we'll wrap it up, is what you said about G and the PLA. Yeah, that is an interesting thing about how he would have to delegate authority to the PLA. And that's not something mm-hmm. you want to do if you're a communist leader, right? That's uh, Khrushchev and JFK not being sure if they were talking to one another or talking to their military commands. Mm-hmm. Never quite noticed, what is it, the seven days in May or six days in May scenario? You never want you never want to start something like that because you don't know if you'll get the power back. And I guess that is an odd kind of catch-22. She might not want to do it. Because you might surrender too much power. No, a lot of lot of uh, things that, that that might not be immediately obvious, you know, looking at at China, but but she does have uh, competition at a minimum, uh, rivals certainly within even the Chinese Communist Party. Sure, but nevertheless, he is still the very powerful and likely to be reelected uh, party chairman of the CCP. Still big man on campus. Yeah. Well, you know, despite everything we talked about, I'd say this has been one of the more happy episodes we've done. It's normally cheered. Well, not about happy, but. Um, well, I mean, in relation to others, I'd say this is a pretty thumbs up one. Well, we hope. We'll we do hope. It. We'll take it. Yeah. To Ms. be continued. We'll see. Miss Claire Lopez, I will put all of your links in the description. As always, go follow her on Twitter. And we shall resume hopefully Thursday. And sounds um, good. Ms. Lopez, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, for your time. Thank you, Tommy. God bless everybody. Stay safe. God bless America.